Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, with Tony Marinero. Sports entertainment, like no other, it's gonna be sick. Brought to you by Cherry River Hard Seltzer. Only 90 calories, natural flavors, and no preservatives. Now available in Quebec Grocery and The Beer Store. And Johnny Bootlegger's Whiskey Old Fashioned is both refreshing and authentic to the classic cocktail. Available now at Saks near you. Marinero, another Habs game, another loss. This time to the arch-rival Boston Bruins in Boston by a score of 5-2. to two. Joining me, Mokon, how are you, bud? I'm well, Tony. Yourself, my friend. I'm doing very, very well with that uh, nice, what is that, an NFL hat? What, what, what are you wearing? What is that? Yeah, it's, I, I wear this Raider tube backwards because I'm a striking Raider fan. Ah, okay, okay. Well, welcome to the Sick Podcast. The show is brought to you by Cherry River. Hard seltzer, only 90 calories, natural flavors, no preservatives. Now available in Quebec grocery stores and the beer store. If Canadians fans weren't already drinking plenty of these to wipe away or drown away their sorrows, um, they're definitely doing it after losing once again to the Boston Bruins. So bottoms up. <laughs> All right, let's go. Mo, uh, it was Semyon Montambo with the start in Jake Allen's absence out with um, what appears to be a concussion, of course. Um, I know it was a travel day for Caden Primo and stuff like that, but count me among those who really wanted Primo to be in the game tonight. Yeah, you know, Tony, when you look at Primo's potential, right, we, we've watched him go through the system now of Laval, Montreal a couple of times in the last couple of years. Uh, there is that belief that, hey, maybe it's time to give the kid a chance here with Price down, with Jake Allen out for who knows how long, and Montembeau not playing as well as many people thought he would have been as a fill-in here. And you would imagine now, Tony, with them going to New York coming up in Pittsburgh later on this week, that at some point, Katie Primo will get a start in Nets. And perhaps tonight against Boston might have been short layover with him coming from Laval and the mental preparation for that. But I think at this point, with where the Habs are right now, and with them now in a trail position trying to catch points and trying to recover, hopefully, before Christmas, uh, they're in a deep hole. And you wonder if Dom Ducharme might toy with the idea that Katie Primo could be an option at some point in the next week or so. Now, you know, Montembeau didn't play badly, but he played badly, if that makes any sense. All right. Okay. So the Montreal Canadiens were outshot 41 to 29. And uh, Montembeau let in four goals because Boston's fifth goal was in an empty net. 
don't get me wrong, those are some pretty impressive stats, but just appears to me that there's some of them that he'd like to have back. The Canadians got off Mo to a one nothing lead just over eight minutes into the hockey game when Lekkinen feeds Armia. He goes down on a, um, a two-on-one. It was probably even a three-on-one, if memory serves me well, and a quick wrist shot beats Slayman. Uh, Armia's best shot of the season so far, his first goal of the season, so he breaks his slump. And the Canadians get out of period number one up by a score of one to nothing. And that was a pretty good score. I got to tell you, Mo, the Canadians, like they did, not as dominant as when they were versus Vegas a couple of weeks ago, but the Canadians had a great first period, Mo. Go off to the front foot on, on a proper note, Tony. They, they had an establishment of what they wanted to be in the first period, right? And, and they got that lead. But the thing is, when you look at this team from a long-term perspective of a game, they have those lapses, and that came into play in the second period and beyond. And they got exposed, right? Boston opened them up, ripped them apart in the second period and beyond. And you just look at it from this perspective. And I saw a great tweet out there about Jeff Petrie and, and where his mindset is. And I think the fact that this team played hockey until late July, Tony, didn't have a proper uh, offseason to rest up and get themselves mentally refocused for this grind. It's an excuse. But, but Tony, at the end of the day, though, pro sports, right? Yes. It, the wear and tear, regardless if it's NHL or not, yeah. it catches up the teams. And this team, right, the way it was built going into that okay. playoff run to where they are now, a lot of characters changed over. And I think for Jeff Petrie was the fact that he took on a lot more responsibilities. With Okay, hold on numbers. a second. Hold on a second. That's one thing. The other thing is something else, okay? So you yeah. said the wear and tear on the team, all right? So Caulfield played in the playoffs. He's not with the team right now. Tatar played in the playoffs. He's not with the team right now. Um, you know, um, Carey Price played in the playoffs. He's not with the team right now. Shea Weber played in the playoffs. He's not with the team right now. Uh, there are players on this team right now who, you know, Mike Hoffman is on this team and he wasn't on this team in the playoffs. Stahl's no longer here. Perry's no longer here. Dvorak wasn't here and he is here. Now, listen, it's an excuse for me, Okay. The, the New York Islanders won four Stanley Cups in a row, uh, 80. The Canadians won four Cups in a row, 76, 77, 78, 79. By Petrie's logic, they would have never been back-to-back champions. They won four in a row. The New York Islanders won the next four in a row, 80, 81, 82, 83. Uh, the Edmonton Orders won in, in 85, and then I believe they won in, uh, in, in, what, in 87. I believe they won in 88, and then I... They probably won in, what was it, uh, 90 or something. But it, I, I, the Tampa Bay Lightning have won two years in a row. Mo, I don't buy it, man. Excuses but, are but for Tony, losers. But, 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 Tony, look, to get back to this point of them playing Boston tonight, I just think and seeing that tweet and it kind of best summarizes Jeff Peachy's start to the year, that he has been completely off from where he was uh, six, seven, eight months ago when we look back to the last season in early January of 2021. And – when you have a linchpin like him that cannot produce as he once did at a high clip, it spreads out. And we're seeing this team. It does. It's also possible that Jeff Petrie had a career year last year and he was not going to really replicate. Did, yeah. And I wonder now, Tony, right? Look, long term, right? There's so many games because this truncated season, if the wear and tear will carry over for this team. And a guy like Jeff Petrie, a lot of responsibilities before, perhaps Team USA might be a calling card for him to go play in Beijing down the road. This is a team that needs to have their back end solidified. And they're missing key pieces, right? Romanov has not played well. Edmondson, unfortunately, given his personal situation, has not shown up yet 
And yeah. that's why I think this team moving forward has to have a complete 60-minute game to win hockey games. It's not like Tampa no, can play 40. No, I don't disagree with that. But you know what? At the end of the day, I think it's four or five things. Number one, this team is not as good a team that made the playoffs no, last year Absolutely, uh, or in the playoffs last year. Number right. two, they weren't a good regular season team to begin with last year. Number three, the players that have been out of the lineup because of personal issues or injuries obviously are very significant pieces as well. Uh, number four, they just don't have the right chemistry. Number five, they're missing toughness at the forward position. Number six, I still think they're missing either a number one centerman or a 1B. Number seven, they're missing two mobile puck-moving defensemen. I mean, you can add it all up. Number eight, I think they have a very inexperienced bench with the exception of Luke Richardson, number nine. I think they're in a better division again when they were in a weaker division last year. There's a bunch of reasons why. Mo. See, number eight, you brought up number eight, right? Dom Ducharme. Right? Yeah. Tony, if, if this is soccer, okay, you're a big soccer guy. I'm a big soccer guy. Yeah. If Dom Ducharme had this record in a European league, England, Italy, Spain, Germany, he would have been sacked by now. Of course. Right? He's been out coached, right? He, and the thing is, Tony, I go back to, again, not to go back to the playoffs, but you think about it. What if? What if the Habs lost in five to Toronto? We're probably talking about a new coach and giving that guy a longer leash to get this team going the right direction. And I think for Dom Ducharme, I'm not, I'm not saying teams have figured him out, but guess what? He's got to readjust his coaching philosophy with his lines and what he does at those key moments. Yeah, it's there. just that way in hockey, Mo. You don't, you know, it's, you, you it's bring in a coach, you, you, you give him the interim tag, he does probably 30 games or whatever it is. Uh, his team makes it to the Stanley Cup final, so you remove the tag, you extend them. Uh, you extended them when in July, we're now in November, you're less than 20 games into the season. They don't fire you under those circumstances no, in the National Hockey Tony, League. They just but, don't. But Tony, mentally, this team is done, though. Like the half fans that I'm speaking to, that I've spoken to are season ticket holders. They say, look, we're, we're trying to get rid of tickets now, man, because we know this team's not going to the playoffs. We yeah. know we can't offload these season tickets here. So the, the, the But, but the hold on a second, Mo. You're right, Mo, you're right. But if they know the season ticket holders – that their season is done, and you know it's done, and I know it's done. The players know it's done too. You can get rid of Dominic Ducharme all you want. What's it gonna? What's gonna come out of it? You're gonna bring in a better coach who's gonna produce better results, but you're still gonna make the playoffs and end up with a worse pick. But, but Tony, but Tony, here's the thing, right? The the, the anger's turned to apathy for the Habs nation. They, they've come to grips that, okay, look, we're not going anywhere. But is, is Dom Ducharme the right guy? And I look at this game against Boston tonight, your division rival that you've not played in over 600 days, in almost two years plus. And this is the effort that you have. I know you're coming off a of back-to-back, but guess what? When it comes to your key hated rival, you need to have a better output that, than what it was in that second period and beyond. They got yeah. exposed. Boston ripped them apart, and you saw what the final outcome was. A Boston went over the Montreal Canadiens. We're going to recap the game, and if you want to pick up a Boston Bruins jersey, because who you know, everyone knows in Montreal, there's a lot of those fans. You can go to sportbuffshop.com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and even our sick merchandise. Use code SICK15 for 15% off on all of their items. All right, okay. Very quickly in terms of the game. So Armia puts the Canadiens up one nothing in period number one. McAvoy jumps on a big rebound by Montembeau, and he's able to jam it home in close. He ties it at one. Then Michael Pizzetta, uh, the puck goes from Anderson to Brooks, who shoots it at the net. It deflects off Pizzetta, 
then deflects twice off of Clifton and is able to beat Slayman. He puts the Canadians up by a score of 2-1 to one after 2. Mo, when it was 2-1 after 2 for the Canadians, did you think they were going to pull off the upset? No. No, Tony. Again, it goes back to my point, right? This team yeah. can play 20 minutes of great hockey, but they need 60. And it's that mindset, right? The, the Bruins had that mindset under Coach Cassidy that we've been down before, but we can come back and win these games. And that's what Boston did. They opened it up, Tony. They had more vigor in their skating ability. They had more cutting edge when they came into the attack zone. They had more blistering ferocity to work with. That was lacking with the Montreal Canadiens in that third period. And watching that final 10 minutes, and I looked at that final 10 scene. Yeah. Right, how, are this, how is this team going to react being down by two goals? They didn't show any ingenuity at all. They no, they really didn't. They didn't change it up. No. They, and and listen, so the score is 2-1 for Montreal after two. Just over two minutes in to period number three, Charlie McAvoy, it's him again with a quick wrist shot. I thought Montembeau had to do better on that one, Mo. Yeah. It looked like he was actually making a lateral movement going from left to right, and it kind of beat him more on the top of the net, in the middle of the net. It was a couple, on a couple of occasions, Montembeau looked like he was going way right and the puck was either going middle or left. Anyway, he ties it at two. And then Jeff Petrie, with a puck in close to Montembeau, tries to clear it. It goes off of Charlie Coyle's helmet <laughs> and beats Montembeau. That ends up being the eventual game-winning goal. And, I mean, that's the Canadian season in a nutshell. Then Coyle, with a great move to the outside, in close. He beats Montembeau. That makes it 4-2. The Canadians pull their goalie, of course. And David Pasternak sets up Taylor Hall, who makes it 5-2. And that's the way it ended, to the chance from the Bruins faithful to Ole, of Ole, Ole, Ole. Uh, that, was, that one hurt. That did, one hurt. Did, I don't know if you saw the stat with Mike Johnson. He had a great stat in the third period. Okay. So, and I'll have to look at it again, but the, more or less it's this, right? The Habs are 0-10-2 when they score three goals or less. Wow. But... But when they score three goals or more, it's like a 3-0 record, 4-0 record, whatever it is. Well, that's the Michel Therrien rule who says you want right. to win a hockey game, you got to score three-plus goals, right? right? And exactly. Obviously, that's very indicative. Look, there's something else. The Canadians' big weapons, right? They're guys that are supposed to be important players on this team. Um, Brendan Gallagher, uh, Nick Suzuki, Josh Anderson, um, Hoffman, of course, was out with an injury, which, by the way, if you take a look at the replay, looks like he got his bell rung, too, on a hit by Morris Sider on Saturday night versus Detroit. Toffoli's another guy. Toffoli, Gallagher, Suzuki, Anderson, Dvorak. They all did nothing, Mo. They were neutralized by the Bruins. They did nothing. Did you see Gallagher's reaction in the final minute of the play? Uh, clearly very frustrated. Yeah. Again, he's had enough. But but the thing is, Tony, I, I feel for Gallagher because he's put his heart and soul into this organization for the last decade. And now he's at a point where the frustration starts to seep through for him on the ice. And he realizes it, Tony. I think he understands that this team right now is not going anywhere and it's boiling over. And now we're entering a period, Tony, looking at the schedule. You know, you got Pittsburgh coming up, the Rangers on, on Tuesday, I believe. Uh, day off tomorrow. I don't know where the win's going to come. Maybe Vancouver, but that's at the end of November, and that's on November 29th. So really, like, where are we going to see this Habs team put together a string of wins to kind of reinvigorate this fan base to say, 
okay, we're going to be competitive. Maybe we're in a hole right now, but we can turn things around by Christmas going to the new year. This is why I don't want to see him named captain of this team because he already takes the losses, you know, at heart more so than probably any other player on the team. He has been incredibly frustrated. Could you imagine if you add the weight of the C on this guy's jersey? I think he'll just, he, it'll be just too much. I, I don't know if it's too much, Tony. I think Gallagher, Gallagher could handle it, right? But I just think from the perspective of the whoever the next captain will be after Shea Weber, if and when he does retire, maybe after the year, who knows? Um, is Gallagher your guy? Because again, we can not to go back, but you know, he got rewarded for a deal that was for what he did in the past, not for what he'll do in the future. And I think for Gallagher now, and speaking, you know, speaking to a buddy of mine during the game, he said, Look, man, like Brennan Gallagher at the age that he's at, the, he's been through the wear and tear of the rigors of the NHL season. He wants to win a cup, Tony, right? So is he going to do it in Montreal? Probably not. So is he a guy that you might be willing to offload in two or three years from now? Who knows, no, you right? know, uh, Mo, you know where I stand. It's rebuild. I I've had enough. Like, I, I know you, you know, know, you know, everyone says you can't rebuild because you're going to go through four or five years of losing. They haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1993. What's the difference? I know. At and, least and it Tony, gives you a plan. But, but Tony, that's, what, that's my point, though. Like, for, for Gallagher... Why lock yourself into this organization for six years? The CH is is because is, they gave him more money than anybody else would have. Mo, yes, and he was underpaid for the first part of his contract. But True. now, for now, Tony, he's in a position where he's in his late twenties, still at the tail end of his prime. He's got to understand that if I want to win a ring, it's not going to be in Montreal. It's going to be somewhere else. And, and no, and Petrie's got to understand the same thing, and Price has yeah. to understand the same thing. And exactly. listen, you know what? <laughs> I was watching that game tonight and so much respect for what the Bruins did with their drafting, especially their top guns, Pasternak, 25th overall, Bergeron, 45th overall, Marchand, 71st overall. Now you can add to that a supporting staff of uh, DeBrusque and Steen and Blyde. And on defense, Charlie McAvoy, 14th overall. Brandon Carlo, 37th overall. Zborla, 13. Slayman at 111. 10 players in their lineup that they drafted. 10. But so much, so many of them, so significant. And out of those 10 players, no player in the top 10. Actually, no player in the top 12. But that's, 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 it's like with Detroit. Remember back in the, in the 80s, 90s, Detroit would always hit on those late round picks that yeah. ended up getting them cup rings, right? That's you, Zetterberg. Exactly. Friends the Boston and Bruins, exactly. The Boston Bruins have done a remarkable job to identify key players that they can take at those positions that they believe would be long-term foundation pieces. And now they've reaped the rewards the last four or five years of what they've done, albeit no cup run during that time of, of a ring, which they lost to St. Louis. But now, Tony, if you're a Montreal Canadian fan, I know the angst, the, the panic station is up right now for Cole Caulfield for what he has not done this year. Let the guy develop in Laval and let him rebuild his confidence up here, Tony. And once it's right to bring him back up to Montreal, you do so. But don't go I, on this uh, expectation run that people thought he was going to score 45 goals, which was no way in hell it's going to happen this year with this Montreal Canadian roster. I, I agree with you a thousand. Listen, I'm, I'm ready. You know, I know a lot of people are looking at Caulfield. They're giving a five-game window, another 10-game window. Some of them are saying if he scores goals, bring him up. I'm ready to give him the rest of the season in Laval. Yeah, I'm ready no, to give Tony, him the rest of the season agree. in Laval. Agree, Tony. Because, Tony, think about, think about Cole Caulfield right now, okay? Let's go back to last year. Last September, November, the Big Ten Hockey League 
was going to cancel all varsity sports. So Cole Caulfield was not going to have hockey, and then he finally did have hockey, right? So Wisconsin hockey, World Junior hockey. He gets to the playoffs for in the NCAA Frozen Four, gets knocked out, signs a contract with Laval, does well in the five-game run, comes to the Habs. He goes on a cup run. I think he played he two games with Laval, actually. That's right, yeah, and he scored a bunch of goals. But the point that I'm bringing up here, he went through a 12-month ordeal in a COVID-19 world to do what he did and end up in the in the Stanley Cup run with the Habs. He was on a high, Mo. He was on a high. It was, was adrenaline. No yeah, there was no book on him at the NHL level how to play him. Teams figured him out. Now for Cole Caulfield, in his development at his age, he's got to bring it up to the next step mentally and physically for him to become a, a guy that will be on your top two lines or top line for the next decade plus if he's going to be a Montreal Canadian for that time. All right, so... Uh... Next up, the Rangers in New York on Tuesday night. The Rangers were victorious tonight in a shootout win versus the New Jersey Devils. There's a pretty good team, a pretty exciting team. It's not going to get easier for the Canadians. They come back to the Bell Center after, and on Thursday, they host Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins, who got blown out of the building tonight in Washington. But I have a feeling that Crosby and the Penguins will be really pumped up and ready to go on Thursday night. And then they host Nashville on Saturday. So that's the rest of the week for the Canadians. And we'll have to wait and see what happens with Jake Allen. Yeah. We're going to wait and see what happens in terms of if Allen's not back, do they give Primo any games? Let's see what happens with Mike Hoffman, uh, who had his bell rung on Saturday as well. Dominic Ducharme said at the end of the game, he expects Jonathan Drouin to be in the lineup on Tuesday. So nothing official yet. He expects him to be in the lineup on Tuesday after yeah. missing what? Is it six games with a headache or something? Yeah, something like that. Five, six games. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. All right. Okay. There you have it. I, I just look, I hope Duran comes back on his own accord. He's he's been awesome this year, Tony. There's a bright star in this whole nightmare of the Montreal Canadiens is that Jonathan Duran is on a redemption story right now. And you hope he continues with that success on the ice and off of it that he becomes better for what he had to go through uh, earlier in the, in the calendar year. All right. Okay, Mo. So uh, are, are you with me here? Because I need help. I can't be the only one in terms of Anglophone media that is preaching and proning and clamoring for a rebuild. I know on 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 the um, on the other side, I got my buddy, Denny Gautier of RDS, who's been talking about a full rebuild. Yeah. Uh, so he's with me, or are you with me more, or what? Am I going to be alone in this fight, or what? No, no, Tony. Like I, I've I've heard you the last full rebuild, full rebuild, my friend. People, look, a lot of my friends who are diehard, live and die by the Habs, will watch every game, no matter what time it's at. Yes, they want a full rebuild. There are pieces in there in the ocean of the Montreal Canadiens domain. The question now is, is the Habs fan base? willing to accept that the next three to maybe five years is going to be the darkest days that will lead to prosperity for this team for the next decade plus. We've seen it before with Mark Bergevin. He tried to, blew up on him, went with the, what he had to do the last couple of months or a couple of years for that matter. Now, whoever that GM might be, whether it's Mark Bergevin or not, are you there were, there were some very dark days in the mid to late 1990s. Well, of course, um, there have been some years. pretty dark days in the last 10 years where this team missed the playoffs two years in a row and three times this, in four this, years. But the fan base is starving for a superstar that is. Well, I, that's why I agree with you 100%. I spoke with a gentleman 
who owns a loge at the Bell Center, who told me if they come out and they issue a letter, Alan New York Rangers, telling everyone that they're going to rebuild and that they have a plan and tell us what the plan is type of thing. He said, I'm fully on board and I will continue to support. But if it remains kind of the status quo, you're playing it out and no one has any idea what direction they're going in, probably not even the owner. At that point, he told me he's out. You know, Tony, the, the Habs ownership has lacked the transparency that fans want to know, right? And we, we've spoken about it on air. A lot of people, English or French media, have wondered, okay, where is Jeff Molson in this whole situation with the direction of the team? We've not seen or heard from him in who knows how long in the last three, four months until that uh, late media thing he had back in the summertime. But now this team, with what they have built, Tony, they're stuck with certain contracts. And that's what could be the anchor of the whole rebuild process, that you're stuck with a Carey Press, you're stuck with a Shea Weber deal, you're stuck with a Gallagher deal, so on and so forth. Here. Not if you eat half of them. But, but Tony, the thing is... is Not if you have- take a bad contract in return that sure. actually has less term. Right. But the thing is, though, is the cap going to go up in the next three to four years? And the way it is now, Tony, with fans back in the arenas, we're seeing a lot of empty arenas with fans not coming to, to the rings yet. So that dollar deal that you expect to see blow up with a TNT ESPN deal with a Kraken now in the fold, you would expect the salary cap to go up for them to take on contracts of dead weight. But right now for this Montreal Canadian team, I'm just curious to know what Jeff Molson is thinking of the direction, direction this team might take in the coming year or years of this franchise makes me laugh when everyone says to me, the Edmonton Oilers went with a rebuild. They haven't won a Stanley cup. Look how many years they had the top pick or the second pick or the third pick. And to them, I say, Connor McDavid has 150 points in the last 82 games. And Leon Dreisaitl almost has 130. I could live with watching guys like that every night. Uh, even if the team doesn't win the Stanley cup. Now, you know what that is, Connor Tony? McDavid's a generational player. Yeah. I get it. But you know what? One draft year, there was a McDavid, there was a Dreisaitl and another. There was a McKinnon and another. There was a there's a Sasha Barkov. There was an Austin Matthews. There was a Mitch Marner. Uh, you know, there's 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 a you name it. How many, how many more do you want me to name? Uh, there have been great great players that have been drafted in the top three, four, five, six picks. And there are some years that are bad draft years, and there are some years that you're going to get it wrong. Right. But if you draft in the top five or six. For four or five years in a row, you're also bound to get it right a couple of times. Those names that you list are box office names, alpha athletes in this sport of hockey. Yeah. Something the Habs have been Huberto's not too shabby either at number three overall. Huberto has been great. And if Huberto and Barkoff were playing in the in the in a bigger market of a hockey mad city, they get all the love. They play in Sunrise, Florida, for that matter. But the point that I'm bringing up here for Habs fans yeah. is that when they had that top three pick, yes, Barry Cockingham was the guy. Back in 2018, we all thought, some people thought, hey, this is the next big thing here. And he flamed out, unfortunately, for the Habs. Didn't pan out, right? Uh, same thing with Galchenyuk. We all thought maybe he could be the next great thing. Didn't pan out. This team, this fan base is dying for that Connor McDavid to show up and be the guy that will revolutionize this franchise for the next decade plus. And, Tony, I agree with you. Yeah, Stutzler is going to be a beauty. Lafreniere is going to be a beauty. They will all be studs. And, Tony, that's why my point is that if the fans are going to be okay with this rebuild, there could be an alpha that they will draft in the next five years or so. That could be the difference of why they could be having a signing cup parade down St. Catherine Street in the next decade or so. 
Mole from your mouth to God's ears. All right, now it's time for me to make a little money. I'm going to give you a couple of picks. Thanks, Mo. I hope you can join me again. Always, brother. Thanks so much, Tony. See you, bud. Cheers. Stuck or sick picks. Brought to you by my bookie. And I continue to take a look at the National Hockey League. The Detroit Red Wings didn't impress me too much, even though they beat the Canadians on Saturday night. Uh, safe to say they're an inferior team. Columbus had a couple of losses here. I look for them to bounce back. So on Monday night in the National Hockey League, Columbus will host Detroit. Columbus will take it. And the following night, Detroit's going to play again. Two games and two nights, travel included. They play Dallas, and Dallas will take that one. So Columbus on Monday, Dallas on Tuesday. And you can place your bet on MyBookie and go to mybookie.ag slash the sick podcast and use code SICKPICKS to double your deposit. Bet, win, get paid. I'm Marinero. The Canadians lose this time to the arch rival Boston Bruins and the Bruins fans chanting, ole, ole, ole. What a disaster. Good night for now. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Cherry River Hard Seltzer. Only 90 calories, natural flavors, and no preservatives. Now available in Quebec Grocers and the Beer Store. And Johnny Bootlegger's Whiskey Old Fashioned is both refreshing and authentic to the classic cocktail. Available now at Saks near you.